Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us today as we continue our series through James. This morning we'll be looking at James chapter 5, 7 through 11 and seeing what we can learn about being patient. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right, good morning, gentlemen. If you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we're going to look in verses 7 through 11. James 5, 7 through 11. Now, uh, we're going to kind of continue uh, our series here in James. We're going to finish it up actually next week by finishing up uh, James uh, 5, 13 through the end. But uh, today we're just going to focus on James 5, 7 through 11. Now, as you turn there, I don't know about you, but um, uh, sometimes my wife go, uh, goes to the store. When she goes to the store, I don't know about your wife or, or, or girlfriend or whatever, but when my wife goes to the store, she knows where everything is. Y'all, are y'all with me on that? Like, like on Fridays are kind of our date afternoons, okay? And we go have lunch. Like this is our standard date is we go somewhere for lunch. Uh, like it's usually Jason's Deli. I really shell, shell out a lot, you know, to go, out to, lunch, to go out to lunch with my wife. So we'll go to like Jason's Deli and then we always have to go to Walmart, right? And so what I will do is I will drop her off, right? At, at the front door of Walmart because I don't want to go in. And she will tell me, based on the list, how long it will take her to go shopping. But if I go shopping, right, and I have to go to Walmart, I just kind of walk up and down the aisles because I have no clue where anything is. And is anybody with me on that? Y'all with me? Some of you, you understand what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. So there was this dude that he, he had to go to Walmart. His wife sent him to Walmart. And he's like us. He's just kind of walking up and down the aisles trying to find stuff. And as he's there uh, at, at the Walmart, he sees this dad that's shopping. And he's got his three-year-old son. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever shopped with a three-year-old, it can be kind of tough. All right? And he's sitting there, and the three-year-old, as he kind of passes him by, you know, the three-year-old, they're in the candy section. three-year-old's trying to grab some candy. And the dad is... Uh, he, and he overhears the dad, and the dad says, you know, Billy, just hold on. We're, we're almost done. It's not going to take us very much longer. And then, you know, they're kind of meandering. He meets him back there in the, in the dairy section, and the kid, he, he, the, the small child is really, really getting fussy. And as this observer, you know, walks by, he hears the dad say, now, now Billy, just hold on. We're, we're getting ready to check out. Everything is going to be okay. Well, it just so happens that this observer, he sees the dad um, with his kid and they're checking out and this kid is screaming bloody murder. And the dad is so calm, so cool. He's like, Billy, we are heading out to the car. We're getting ready to be home. Everything is going to be okay. Just so calm, so cool, so collected. So the guy takes his kid outside, the observer that he checks out and uh, he, he rushes out the door and hopes to meet this, this patient dad. And uh, as, he, as he sees the dad, he kind of hurries up to him and the dad had just put his kid into the car and he hears him as he walks up uh, to the father. He hears the dad say, now, now Billy, we, we are heading home. It's all gonna be good in just a few minutes. And the observer taps the man on the shoulder and he says this, he says, sir, I don't know what it is about you, but I just want to tell you, you are an amazing parent for just being able to be so patient with little Billy. 
And the man looks at him and says, look, sir, I, I don't think you understand. I'm Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, it takes a lot of patience. And just in life, uh, there is something called patience that we have to learn about. And in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, we talked about that last week. And it was kind of a tough passage. It's, it's not really, uh, it, it's kind of odd if you just kind of study it independently. But when you look in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, James is talking about the non-Christians that are wealthy, that choose to use their wealth to oppress those around them. And they use that to lord it over them and to not care about anybody but themselves. And so James uses one, verses 1 through 6 to actually set up 7 through 11. And so 1 through 6 is a setup or it is the foundation for what James really wants to communicate to us as Christians. Because let's be honest, for us as Christians, okay... When somebody is using their wealth or their power or whatever it is to lord it, to lord it over somebody or to oppress somebody, or especially if they're using it to impact me and to make my life tough and to make my life hard, then guess what? I don't like that and neither do you, right? Am I right on that? We don't like that. And so as any Christian would say, when you see this non-Christian and they're using their wealth, they're using their power to lord it over people, to hurt people, to oppress people, what do we say as Christian dudes? We look at that and we say, man, Jesus come back and judge that dude. Don't we all say that? Or am I the only one that says that? No, y'all are with me, right? We all say that. And here's the great thing about Verses 7 through 11. When we look at that, James addresses this very issue. In other words, he says, I recognize what you're going through because there are going to be people that oppress you. There are going to be people that cause you pain and suffering for no other reason, just because of who you are. And for us as Christians, we have this thought in our head, Jesus, come back and make the wrong right. Make the wrong right. And so James addresses this very thought that we as men have in verses 7 through 11. So 1 through 6 is the setup for what James really wants to communicate to us. So when you look in James chapter 5, verses 1, uh, 11, or 7 through 11, it says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, and see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so when you see this passage and when you read this passage, it makes more sense. 7 through 11 now makes sense when you look at verses 1 
through 6. He says, hey, listen, there's going to be a lot of oppression. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to happen that's going to be bad that you're not going to like, that you're going to have to suffer through. But be patient. And so I only have one thought today. And all God's men said, and here's the thought is this, is that there is value in patience. There is value in patience. If you look in verse 7, it says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. Four times in these verses, four times in these verses, James uses the word patience. He also uses the term perseverance, or in the NIV, persevered. And these words, patience and perseverance, they are actually synonyms of one another to describe the same thing. Actually, the, uh, the definition for patience and patient is this, bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, and pain. Perseverance is the same thing. It just means enduring. From the Greek word, patience means enduring injury. And so when you look at the very definition of patience, patience is the ability to bear through suffering. That's what patience is. It's the ability to bear through suffering. Most of us have heard this colloquialism. I can't pronounce that word. It's too early in the morning. Colloquialism. Say it. Go ahead. Say the word colloquialism. Okay. But we've heard that. Patience is a virtue, right? Oh, well, patience is a virtue and this notion is widely accepted it's widely accepted well here we hear guys say that all the time hey man i gotta wait on this i gotta wait on it well hey you know patience it is a virtue do you know where that saying came from that saying actually came from a poem that was written in 1360 by an english poet named william langland and it is a poem about a man in search of faith in one of the lines in the poem says this patience is a fair virtue james writes that patience is not a virtue but rather patience is naturally built into life patience is not a virtue but rather patience is just simply a part of life And at some point in time, we all have to be patient for something at some point in time. And there is no alternative. Look at what he says in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Remember what I said earlier in the chapter in verses 1 through 6? James is talking about the non-Christians that oppress the Christians, the ones that use their wealth to instill pain and hardship on those that don't have any wealth, that don't have any power. Well, they're thinking the same thing. Jesus, come back and right the wrong. And James says, hey, listen, be patient. Jesus is coming back, but it just may not be at this very moment. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it states that there is a time for everything. Okay? There's a time for peace. There's a time for war. There's a time for good times. There's a time for bad times. There's a time to celebrate. There is a time to mourn. And in all of that, in those times, in in each time in life, there's a time where 
we must be patient. I like what Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3 says. It says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that you may run, uh, so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. James tells us, brothers and sisters, be patient. And he uses an example. He says this, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield a valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and for the spring rains. Patience is similar to growing crops. Now listen, today we have genetically modified crops. Did you all know that? Okay. We have genetically modified crops. So we can create a seed uh, that, that can withstand uh, uh, insects. We can create a seed to grow uh, bigger uh, and more product. Um, but still, when it comes to that seed, we have to plant that seed. We have to water that seed. We can fertilize that seed. We can put it in a greenhouse and grow it in optimum conditions. But guess what? We still have to wait for the seed to grow. We can't put it in the microwave, hit the one minute button, and in a minute, in 60 seconds, we have a carrot. It just doesn't work that way. We have to wait for the whole season to go through before we can harvest the crop. So we have to plant in spring, and then we have to wait all of spring, all of summer, into the autumn season to be able to harvest that crop. I did a little research on the fastest growing crops. And here are the fastest growing crops. It takes sunflowers 12 days to grow. 12 days. It takes garden crest. 14 days to grow. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know if I've eaten it or not. I, I don't want to. I mean, look at this list. Radishes and green onions take 21 days to grow. Lettuce, spinach, arugula, and kale takes 30 days to grow. Zucchini takes 40 to 50 days to grow. These are the fastest growing vegetables. Why are they all disgusting? <laughs> are y'all with me on that? When I read that, I was like, kale and arugula only take 30 days? Why doesn't that take, you know, <laughs> yeah, why doesn't that take forever? Why can't they grow chocolate beans like tomorrow? <laughs> but no, that's just the way it is. These are the fastest growing crops. But even the fastest growing crops, the fastest one, a sunflower seed, still takes about two weeks to grow, 12 days. And so there's no such thing as instant gratification when it comes to crops. There's no such thing as instant gratification when it comes to crops. I like what Chip Ingram said. He says this, let's help people get on board with what God wants to give them. But what we don't want is the process. Everyone wants the product. Everyone wants it right now. Everyone's got to have it now. Put it in the microwave, hit the one button, and you're off and going. But yet there is a lot of process. And there's a lot of process when it comes to growing plants. And also, it just simply takes time. And this is why James tells us four times over and over and over to be patient and to wait on God. The nutritional and the reproduction value 
in the crops does not happen until the crop has matured. And Scripture recognizes that there are times when it is tough to wait and that we can almost lose our patience. Y'all with me on that? I mean, some of, I just heard no yeah over here. <laughs> there are times when, when, when we are on the brink. I mean, your kids almost push you to the brink. Yeah? Can I get an amen for many dads in here? Does it hurt to wait on a decision from a client? Hey, I submitted a proposal. I'm waiting to hear back. Are you going to sign it? Or are we going to make this deal happen? It's hard to wait on maybe a promotion. You work hard. The boss says, hey, listen, a promotion is going to happen. Hey, it's coming. And you go, okay, when? And he says, well, I don't exactly know. Is it hard maybe to wait on God? And maybe he's been silent in talking to you and you've been asking and going before him and he just, he hasn't said yes, he hasn't said no, he hasn't given you any answer and yet he just remains silent. It's hard to wait and to hear from God. It's hard to wait when you see other people prospering and you're doing everything right. Yeah? And you sit there and you look at them and go, man, look at what you're doing. Look at how you're doing it. It is all complete. You're just, you're living in sin. And yet you are still prospering. It doesn't seem right. This causes us doubt. It causes us to question God. It asks us, God, are you even paying attention? And are you even looking at what's going on? James continues to elaborate. And, uh, about this whole concept of patience and perseverance. And, and here's what we learn in verse 8. It says, You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Guys, we all have to wait. We all have to wait. He even says it in verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. We spend a lot of time waiting. And for us as guys, we don't like to wait. Now I say that, but for actually for us as men, there are certain things we will wait for. Did you know that? Men's Health did an article. There are 25 things men are willing to wait for. Here's just a few of them. First of all, a man is willing to wait for new business cards with his new title on it. Y'all with me on that? Yeah, I'll wait for that. No problem. It doesn't matter if the printer takes a year, six months. I don't care. I'm good. I can wait on that. A guy will wait for the second encore. Y'all with me on that? Y'all just wait. We ain't leaving the concert yet. The second encore is coming. One of the best concerts I went to when the Eagles came out again. It was awesome. And it was worth the wait. You know what guys will wait for? Guys will wait for the grill to get hot enough. Amen? That's right. Dudes will wait for the grill to get hot enough. Guys will also wait for the game-winning moment after all the practice when your hands and your arms and your legs do exactly what you tell them to do. Guys will wait for that. We will wait for that. And then guys will also wait for the moment when the only thing left to do is to enjoy your vacation. We're willing to wait for that. 
And James reminds us and he tells us, he says, hey, listen, be patient, be willing to wait as followers of Jesus. Do you have the patience to simply wait on God? Scripture tells us over and over to wait on God. Hosea 12, 6, but you must return to your God, uh, maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, my God will hear me. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who hope in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for us to wait. God desires us. He wants us to wait. And so it's okay to be patient. It's okay to have to suffer through these things. And think about it. James is writing to people that are being oppressed, that are going through suffering. And what does James say? Hey, it's okay. Just wait. God is coming. God is near. He may not show up in the next five minutes. Just hold on. Just hold on. In verse 10, he says this, Brothers and sisters, as is an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We see this, is that God is patient with us. God, God asks us to be patient. Okay? He says, hey, listen, be patient, but then understand it goes both ways. God is patient with us. The Old Testament prophets... They were constantly calling the Jewish nation back to repentance. The Old Testament prophets were constantly telling Israel that, hey, listen, a Messiah is coming. There are some things that happened that the Old Testament prophets never even saw. You know, we're getting ready to enter into the Christmas season, and we find a lot of the book of Isaiah talking about the coming Messiah. Guess what? Isaiah never saw the Messiah with his own eyes. It happened generations after him. Look at what he even wrote in uh, Isaiah 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now, let's be honest. At times, we get frustrated waiting on God, do we not? Are y'all with me on that? I mean, am I the only one here that's like, you know, you get down and you're driving and you're thinking about what's going on and you just kind of say, man, come on, God. Yeah, has anybody ever done that or am I the, like the only sinner here that's done that? Come on, God. Please, will you just show up? Will you just intervene? And sometimes we get tired of hearing, wait, wait, wait. Can I just ask you this question? Have you ever thought that maybe sometimes God is waiting on you? And I'll tell you this, I, I, I don't like that. <laughs> that God is, is waiting on me, maybe to change my attitude, maybe to change some of the things that I do. God is waiting on me to adjust to what He wants before He chooses to do what He needs to do in my heart and in my life. Man, God 
has asked us to do certain things. God has asked you, God has asked me to do certain things. And have you told God to wait? Have you said, oh, oh, God, wait. And then we turn around and we say, hey, God, will you please hurry up and do this and that? And then we get mad and frustrated when we have to wait on God. How frustrated can I make God <laughs> with my actions and with what I do and with what I say? How long have I made God wait on me? Has He asked you to do something out of obedience? And He's just waiting? He's just waiting for you to obey? Nehemiah 9, 29-31, I won't read it all, but it says this, You have warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they have become arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They've sinned against your ordinances of which you said, the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly they have turned their backs on you, become stiff-necked, and refused to listen. Nehemiah, he is talking about the children of Israel and how they have turned from God. And now they are in a situation. They're in a problem. Then look at what Nehemiah says in verse 30. For many years you were patient with them. God chose to wait. He just didn't instantly judge. Rather, he took time. He stepped back and he said, okay. I'm just going to wait for you to turn to me. I'm going to wait for you to finally obey me. You see, we want God to act on our behalf, but God is sitting there going, hey, listen, there's some stuff that maybe you need to do that I've been waiting on you to do. Woodward Kroll said this, quite honestly, and I quote, quite honestly, most people are quick to write somebody off. But our God is a God of second chance. Learn from one who is patient with you, and you'll learn to be patient with others. Man, I'm so thankful that God is patient with me. Are you glad? <laughs> are you thankful that God chooses to be patient with you? When Paul is speaking to the Jews attending synagogue in Antioch, his explanation to them about entering into the promised land, he's talking to his kin, to fellow Jews, and he is reminding them about how Israel, back after they were released from Egypt, wandered in the desert for 40 years, and that God had to wait on the people before they could enter into the promised land. You remember that? The people said, God said, here's the promised land, here you go. And they said, man, we, we can't do that. We, we can't go in there, we can't take out those giants. And God said, listen, I've given you the land, you just gotta do what I say, just follow me. And the people said, oh no, there's no way, there are giants in there. Is the land flowing with milk and honey? Absolutely, but there's no way we can conquer those people. And God said, trust me. And the children of Israel said no. And what happened? God was willing to give them the land. He wanted to give them the land. But it was because of the people and not trusting God that God had to be patient with them. And he had to take out a whole generation of unfaithful people. 
the children of Israel had to wait because God had to wait on them. Y'all kind of see how that works? Acts 17, uh, 13, 17 through 18. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country. But for about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And God was patient. God was patient with the children of Israel. Get this. God is patient with me. God is patient with you. It's funny how we complain, how we have to wait on God, and how we have to be patient on God. And yet, God has to do the same with us. God has to be patient with us. And this kind of leads us to our last part of this passage. In verse 11, it says this, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered, those who have endured suffering. It says, You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Patience leads to rewards. Here, James shows the reward of patience and perseverance, and he references a man that has experienced great pain and great suffering. For we know Job. We all know the story of Job, or hopefully you do. If you don't, let me recount it real quick. Job was a rich and wealthy man. He was a good dude, and he loved God. And then Satan went to God and said, Hey, listen, Job loves you, but the only reason why Job loves you is because he's rich. And God said, I'll tell you what, Satan, you can do whatever you want to to the man, but you cannot touch him. And so Job went through a part of his life where all of his family was, was killed. He went through a part of his life where he lost everything. He was reduced to nothing. He had nothing. He went through sickness. He went through loss. He went through everything you can imagine. And at the very end of it, what did God do? After all of Job's suffering and in Job's patient suffering, what did God do? Man, God blessed him. He not only blessed him and gave him back everything that he had, but he gave it back twofold. Job 42, 12 and 13, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. And he had seven sons and three daughters. Man, we see that God restored Job. Not only did he restore Job to where he was, but he propelled him. He launched him. King Asa brought reform back to the uh, children of Israel. And he told people, hey, listen, you need to turn back to God. And so he led the charge. And it was a tough and it was a difficult job. And the Lord sent a prophet to Asa to encourage him and to guide him. And listen to what this prophet said. It said in 2 Chronicles 15, 7, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Asa, what you're doing is good. What you're doing is right. Keep on going. It will be rewarded. Hebrews 10, 36, You will need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised. Ian Bounds said this, It is hard to wait and press and pray and hear no voice, but stay till God 
answers. When you look at James verses 1 all the way through 11, guys, we are going to experience oppression. We are going to experience unfairness. And there are going to be times in our lives when we say, Jesus, come on back now and bring the judgment with you. But God says, hey, listen, James writes, hey, listen, wait, persevere through it. Keep on going because at the end, there will be something there. There will be a reward. There will be a time when God will restore what has been lost. James wrote that to the Jews back then. James is writing to us now. And for some of us here in this room, we're going through some extreme suffering. We're going through some pain. Right now, we are exercising patience, but we are at the end. Let me encourage you with this. Keep on going. Because God has something great for you at the end. He's got something great for you at the end. So hold on. And then number two, remember, we're asking God, hey God, will you, will you, please, do, will you please do that? Remember, God might be waiting on you. Is there something God is waiting on you for? Is there something God is waiting on you for? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Father, as we leave this place, God, uh, may we be salt and light in this world. God, uh, I pray for each man here. Whatever it is they're going through, whatever it is, they might be struggling or suffering through something. God, I ask that you would extend their patience. Father, they might be, um, there might be a, a dude in here that's, um, that you are calling them to something, and they're, they're just flat out refusing. Thank you for your patience. But God, I ask that you would soften their heart in such a way that they would turn and obey you, Father. And that, that includes me. God, um, thank you for this time here today. And thank you that we could open up your word. And thank you for the words of James that, that you have put uh, in your word. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. It's in, in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's men said, amen and amen. Y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Men's Bible Study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.